For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Out on my own I'm a wayward soul Coming home Something so sweet At the end of the road Yes, I'm a wayward soul Coming home Some people got faith All I had was confusion Calling out my name Find a new direction Don't have to be alone Just away with so Come home I've been kicked around like a kick a stone Life has stone me things I never know But the sun is so sweet At the end of the road I'm just a wayward soul Coming home Some people got money some people got free All I have was confusion Calling up my name Find another direction Don't have to be alone Just a wayward soul Come home
coming home Something so sweet At the end of the road Yes, I'm a wayward soul Coming home I'm just a wayward soul So another song you wrote with Brenda Russell was recorded by Joe Cocker on his 1997 album Across from Midnight, the song Wayward Soul. Right. Tell me about what inspired this song. That was typical of Brenda and I. I remember writing that at her house with her. And we had, no, again, no agenda. It was after the time we'd done the Tina song. And I mentioned that that was sort of a learning experience. I think we carried that over and said, okay, you know, what do we do today? Let's just do whatever we want. Let's see what happens. Didn't have anything to start with. I remember playing it on guitar and I did a drop tuning of some sort, probably D or, or just drop the E maybe, playing sort of a real organic guitar part. And Brenda just started singing, which is another one of her gifts. Just, she just starts singing and she's got such a great voice. That's inspiring. And we started trading a lyric here and there. And it's a really simple song, chord-wise. It's just built off that figure, the guitar figure. To the point that there's a couple of cute stories about this song. My publisher at the time was Windswept Pacific in London, and Nick Battle was there, who's a buddy and, and worked there. Nick heard that Joe Cocker was recording not far away and that they were just looking for one more song. And as a songwriter, we love those things when you hear them because it's the 11th hour. They're not tired of something. They're more likely, in my experience anyway, to love something brand new that comes in the door. So it's another song we thought, well, we didn't really hear it as a Joe Cocker song. So Nick from Windswept takes it over to the studio. They heard it. He loved it. Now, he had already recorded a song of Brenda's in the past. And we found out interesting things like that he likes to hear a fee or in time, you know, bless him. He liked to hear a female vocal, not someone impersonating him when he heard a song. So he loved Brenda's voice. That helped. The funny part of the story to me was they came back and said, you know, there's no bridge in this song. And so Nick kind of dutifully <laughs> called me up and went, you know, you guys, there's not a bridge in it. I don't care, but what do you think? And Brenda and I just went, we didn't put a bridge in because it didn't think it needed it, you know, and we didn't try to accommodate anything. They didn't insist on it. We just went, yeah, there's no bridge. You're right. <laughs> you know, hope you like it. And they loved it and did it. It made it in some god-awful movie, I think, Finding Graceland or something like that, which was not a good movie. But he's another one. Boy, I heard that voice and lost my mind because as a kid, I'm watching Ed Sullivan and there's Joe Cocker and there's Tina Turner and there's Diana Ross. And when those people do your songs, they're idols, you know, and you just can't believe your melodies or your lyrics are coming out of their mouth. Joe Cocker singing Wayward Soul to me is remarkable because... You can understand everything he says. You know, sometimes when he sings, you're like, what the heck is he saying? You know, because he just emotes feelings that may be wrapped around a word. But here, it's really kind of a straightforward delivery. It is. Yeah, it is. I was, I was proud of it. I just, you know, just again, hearing him, I loved him. I love singers, you know, so Joe was a favorite. 
Um, but I later years, I worked in Sheffield, England a lot. Still do go there and do workshops. Oh, that's where he's from. He's from there, yes. Yeah. So I found yeah. that connection. And after being there a lot over the years, I thought, I get it. It's a really working class town, no nonsense, you know. He was just a pub singer, you know, a great pub singer. And idolized Ray Charles and, and just, you know, nailed it. He was great. Why do you think he was attracted to this song? Wow. I wish I knew. You know, I never met Joe. I think it could have been a couple of things. Again, I think it could have been that, you know, somebody doing an album like that, they get worn out with everything they've been doing and hearing and something comes in the door that sounds fresh and different. And again, I know he loved Brenda's voice. So I think that spoke to him and probably the simplicity, subject matter. The song has these sort of Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon-like screams from female backing like whales. Those aren't Brenda, right? Those are- No, no, no. I don't know who it is actually. And there was a lot of production on that that was very different from our, our demo. It was very organic sounding, pretty much a drum loop, guitar, and Brenda. So it was a bit different production. So you write the song, but you're not envisioning either Joe Cocker or this blues guitar, Hammond organ, you know, backing vocal harmonies of females combination. You're just writing it inspired by what? Uh, just inspired on the day. Again, people like Brenda and Kai, uh, and I've got a couple other go-to writers, Elliot and Kennedy in England is one. They just inspire you, you know, and you hope you inspire them. And you just kind of start from nowhere in a good co-writing situation. You really start from nowhere in those situations. So you don't envision, you absolutely don't go, let's write a song for Joe Cocker because we'd all done that kind of stuff. And my personal history is littered with that stuff where once I got a deal, publishing deal, I thought I can write a Joe Cocker song. I can write a Tina Turner, Rod Stewart, Shaka Khan. I know that stuff. Every time I did, it would get on hold. I mean, almost every time it would get on hold for the artist until someone else heard it, maybe usually the artist, and they'd go, no, I've already done this. Yeah. So we, we kind of learned a lesson after the Tina song. Let's just write, you know, whatever comes up in the room that day and see what happens. I like this line. Some people got money. Some people got fame. All I had was confusion calling out my name. That to me sounds like Joe Cocker at Woodstock. It does. It does. Yeah. You know, I think that's what he was attracted to. I think one of the fun things about that too, I can, now that you mentioned, I'm, I'm going back in my head and I'm remembering being in the room with Brenda and we tended to write like that. One of us might go, you know, uh, all I had was confusion. And the other person would yell out the other line. And it's like a conversation that keeps going. And I think that one kind of went that way, if I remember. You know, I think we've all had times in life when confusion was calling out our name. I love this lyric. It's just, it's important to try to recognize that early and not follow the siren song of confusion. Brenda, again, is another one who, you know, she co-wrote The Color Purple for Broadway, the music and that. She's written some amazing stuff. She's a pretty deep writer. Really, really good. What's it like working with her? Fantastic. I mean, as I said, I've got Holy Trinity for me. Brenda and I, again, we met in that castle situation. I'll just give you the very brief version, but it kind of explains it. So at this Miles Copeland's castle in France, you're there for to write with other writers, usually for a project. And they throw you in a room, they, they pick a trio of writers, you're in the room all day, and hopefully you're going to come out with a song. Now, Brenda and I, 
this was the fun part to me. I, I needed a break. I'd been in this place two weeks. Most writers were there a week, but I was signed to Miles Copeland. So I'm there for the whole time. And my buddy Torkel Creevy was in charge of going to the airport to pick people up and drop them off from this retreat. And one day I said, can I escape with you? Can I just get out for a little bit? You know, and I said, what are you doing today? And he said, I got to go pick up Brenda Russell. And I said, oh, wow. You know, I love her, but I've never met her. So Torkel and I go and pick her up at the airport. And we stop in Bordeaux and have dinner and wine and just had a great time and just instantly hit it off like an old, old, old friend. And then back to the castle, the first time we, we did sit down to write together, we wrote with another artist named Vinks, who was in Sting's band. It just was pure chemistry, just absolute chemistry. And it was because I think we brought different things to the table. You know, I didn't do exactly what she did. So when she did something, it was a wow factor, hopefully for me as well especially on guitar for her. She wasn't, didn't write with much guitar influence. And he just brought something that the other didn't do. And the sum of the parts was great and just exciting. But I've always loved writing with her. I wrote with her quite a bit over the years. A song that's in a different direction for you from those two is My Angel Is Here, which Winona, and I think we all know who Winona is, recorded, at least in Nashville, there's a Winona. I guess there's a Winona Ryder in Hollywood. Yeah, this is Winona Judd for sure. Yeah, the one of the Judd sisters. You co-wrote this with Lulu and Billy Laurie, and Winona recorded it on her Revelations album. She did. Tell me what inspired this song. Uh, this is another, in my mind, great story. You know, I, I've written two books now, and the first book has a lot of these stories in it, Song Journey. This one was great because I had lived in London, back to L.A., both my daughters were born. My wife and I just kind of had it with the music business for a minute. I'd lost a record deal. Publishing deal was kind of going nowhere. We went back to her home area of Indianapolis, Indiana, Carmel, Indiana. And just, I kind of stopped for a little bit. And then I got a call from Torquil Creevy, who I'd known through Miles Copeland, and signed a deal with that company called Bugle, which was Miles Copeland, who had Sting then and managed the police. And I was the first writer they signed who was not an artist on the label or an aspiring artist anymore. Anyway, Torkel said, you know, you're not far from Nashville. Why don't you start making trips to Nashville, which I'd never really done. Because of the connections with Miles Copeland, uh, some of the people I met right off the bat had a connection to Miles's label. Kennedy Rose, they were called. Pam Rose and Marianne Kennedy who were terrific, signed to Sting's label. They lived in Nashville. So they set me up to write with Marianne Kennedy. So I come down from Indianapolis. I rented a house that belonged to Kai Fleming, who I didn't know. They just threw these circles. They said, we can find you a house to set up in and play and write. So Kai and Marianne were great friends. And Kai just came with the idea of dropping Marianne off for the writing session. At the time, I had set up, you know, again, with keyboards and loops and guitars and a bunch of stuff that was not typical of a Nashville writing session at the time. Kai came along. And to this day, I can remember, and there's actually a picture of it we have somewhere. She kind of sat in the corner and Marianne and I worked and Kai got, came a little bit closer and a little bit closer, really, and kind of was having fun and started kicking in. And the three of us just had a great time and wrote three or four songs. A couple got recorded eventually. We were writing stuff that was pretty different. But over time, it was Kai and I that really locked together and be became just terrific friends. Anyway, so we're writing away. And this particular time, 
everybody was trying to get on Winona's next album because we knew it was going to be big. It was called Revelations. And Winona was a country superstar and, and another great singer that all of us love. Terrific voice. So Kai and Marianne and I wrote a song called Can't Stop My Heart. And we loved it. I thought it was really unique, very cool, a little bit different. We get a call from Tony Brown's office, who's like super producer in Nashville and label head at the time, saying, we love this song, so Winona's going to cut it. And we're all on cloud nine. And with that, I thought, you know, I'm just going to move to Nashville. I'd considered going back to London and something else. But I thought, you know, Nashville feels really good. So I'm thinking, and we're going to start with a really big cut on the biggest album coming. This is great timing. So I thought, this is all meant to be. This is great. I get a house, which Kai helped me find, move my family down. Again, two young daughters at the time. And we think, you know, we're all off and running. This is going to be great. One day we get a call from Tony Brown's office saying, you know what? We can't manage to figure out the drums on this song. Any idea? I called him back and said, yeah, I used a drum loop and I'll send you the loop. And it was kind of a cool, complicated loop. I forget who performed it, but I'm also thinking, you know, we're not worried because the best players in the world are here these days in Nashville. And I thought they'll, they'll nail this. What we heard at the end of the day was they couldn't really beat the demo they didn't feel. That's what we heard is they could not read. The computer was better than the live. (laughs) Well, and also Marianne Kennedy is a terrific singer, as is Winona. But I think Winona fell in love with the song, but couldn't really justify, you know, trying to beat it or do something. In other words, it just didn't work. And we got that call. Like, it's not going to make the album. Sorry, you know, we're cutting it, but it's not really working. I'm devastated. We're all devastated because we love Winona. But me in particular, because... I'm going back to my wife in our new home and all. And I said, you know what? This biggie just fell through. So you've learned that as a songwriter, you, you, you have these terrible downs and you got to get over them and get past them and get around them and just keep writing. Yeah. Or write a song about it. Yeah. Or, yeah, or something, <laughs> anything. Get it Just out. to recover, right? So here's the wonderful part of the story. I have this friend, John Cooper, who's uh, Bruce Springsteen's live sound engineer, house engineer. He's great. And he came up with me through bands. He was the engineer for club bands I had years ago. He coincidentally is working for Winona at the time. And he lives a couple of blocks from me, way out in the country in Kingston Springs, outside of Nashville. And he called me and he's just chatting with me. And he said, sorry about that song, bud. I heard that song. Your your song didn't make it. I said, yeah, you know, we're losing our mind, but we're going to pick ourselves up, you know. And he went, oh, good about the other one, though. And I said, what other one? And he went, your other one on the album. And I said, you, come on, you're messing with me. And he said, no, no, hang on. And he goes and gets whatever info we had. And he said, my angel is here. He said, why loves that? And they cut that a while back. That's on the album, going to be a single. I'm losing my mind. I said, just stay at home. I'm coming over. And I remember getting in the car and running over to his house and go, what? Are you messing with me? And he said, no, they cut this. And I said, no one ever called us. No one held the song. It's not a typical country song. Lulu, as you know, is like a legendary British artist all the way back to Sir with Love. You know, she's a legend in England. But man, we were not writing a country song. And I don't know how they got it to this day. I don't know who sent it. I didn't. And I had the clearest route to her. And Lulu certainly didn't. Uh, They didn't know how it got to Lulu and her brother, Billy Laurie, are the co writers. Nobody had an idea how Winona got this. So we went all of a sudden from like complete 
depths of despair to like, wow, we're going to be on a huge album. It stayed at number two behind Shania Twain forever. It did really well. It was great. So the song is kind of religious, but also somewhat secular. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't really talk about a biblical story and you don't say God. It has a Christian pop, country pop feel to it, but it's not overt. Is that by design or what was, was it motivated by a religious spiritual message that you were trying to communicate? You know what? I did not write that lyric. And it's hard to speak to because Lulu is an unusual being. She's a Buddhist. So I know there wasn't like an overtly Christian message there. Winona took it. I went to see her tape her live special at the time, which was all, there was such a great album and so much great stuff. She had a TV special behind the whole album. When I saw her do it, I thought, okay, this is her interpretation because she just had a new baby. And the baby was her angel in the song. And they actually brought the baby out on stage. He crawled around while she's singing it. I thought, okay, that's her interpretation. Certainly not spiritual. Just my angel is here. This little guy's my angel. And I've heard from more people over the years that have used it as a wedding song and about their birth of a child and all that. So, yeah. But I can't really speak to where it came from for Lulu. Well, I would say it's spiritual. The song, to me, is very, very spiritual. But it's not foundationally based on any individual religion. And that's what makes it so universal and appealing to me. It's a universal feeling that there's more than ourselves here on Earth. That would sound like Lulu, especially. Knowing her, yeah. And I really love the break where it really is the concept of faith and the question of faith, and it's posed as a question. So when I'm lost and alone, who will find me? Who's there whenever I call? And that's like why people are spiritual, I think. There's something calling them beyond. Well, I don't have the answers. I'm just the host of the show. <laughs> I don't either, and I'm just thinking. <laughs> yeah, people, trying to interpret your song, Mark. Yeah, people are switching, but it's always funny when, when uh, because I do both. I write lyrics and I write music, and if there is a song that I did not participate in the lyric, like that was done a little bit long distance. I, I went to England all the time to write, but as I remember, I think Lulu came up with that long distance a bit, and I, I don't really know, you know, what her thinking was at the time. But she was a Buddhist. That's interesting. Yeah, she came and stayed with me, which was hilarious. We lived in Kingston Springs, as I mentioned, which is way out of Nashville. We had a home studio and everything. And she came and stayed for like a week. And knowing how huge she is in the UK and having Lulu in Kingston Springs and going out to dinner and stuff was just kind of surreal. I don't even know what to compare it to. It was very unusual. She was down in the basement of the house with, you know, lighting candles and incense and chanting and it was always fun for my girls as growing up in the house. We'd have guests like that and they'd go, what are they doing down there? I said, it's just, you know, your belief system, guys. Your dad's an artist and I have artist friends. Yeah. <laughs> and they do artist things. Yeah, they do artist things. And a lot of times my kids would go, wow. Well, I hope they're better for it. <laughs> I hope so. Neither one became a musician. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Is that good or bad? I don't know. It's funny because they both went to Belmont, which if I had to suggest a music school in the world right now, it would be Belmont. Yeah. Berkeley or Belmont, maybe. I went yeah. to Berkeley for a little bit myself, but Belmont right now is 
awesome because these kids learn and they go right down the road and intern and get deals. It's right on Music Row. So anyway, but they both graduated from Belmont, but not not a hint of music. They weren't the inspiration for my angels here because every time you walk in the room, my angels here. But do you ever sing it to them? <laughs> I have. You know, that's one that if I ever do songwriter things, I'll pull it out and sing it. I'm sure I sang it to them. That must be nice having your dad sing that to you, I think. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.